0: Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. I have two special guests today and uh on Heart of the City and their names are Mary Beth Wall and Linda Smith. Mary Beth and Linda, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you. Hi. Sir. Thank you. Uh, well during these COVID times, uh we didn't have the opportunity to meet in person. So we're we're doing this interview by phone. So I know our listeners will understand, but I think this topic is so important that we're going to talk about today that uh, that won't be a problem, that uh, as we talk about uh, your newest book that's just coming out called Don't Lose Heart, A Widow's Guide to Growing Stronger, is important to talk about, and let's get right into it. And uh, I'd love, uh, Mary Beth, for, for you to share and kind of share your story about becoming a widow. Okay,
1: thank you, Chuck. It's a very personal story, as you can imagine, but I'm happy to share it um, with your audience because I know there are widows sitting out there listening right now wondering, does anybody know me? Does anybody see me? And we just want you to know, yes, we do. We've been there and we know what it feels like and and we're here for you. And so um, I can just start by saying that um, I met my husband, Bob, in uh, 78, 1978, we were married in 1980, and we were married for just two weeks short of 39 years uh, when he passed away in June of uh, last year, 2019. So um, prior to that, uh, Bob and I were uh, music pastors at Philadelphia Church in Seattle, and that's where I met uh, my friend Linda and Linda and her husband Kirby um attended there as well and Linda was involved in the music program with us and Kirby was an elder at the church and our our boys were best buddies growing up and so we were uh we loved each other and uh and then we kind of lost track a little while later when our kids grew up and we moved away and uh but we reconnected on Facebook and uh when When Linda heard that Bob had passed away, she uh, dropped everything uh, and knew she had to be at his memorial because uh, Linda had lost her husband, Kirby, six and a half years prior, and she knew the journey I was going to walk through. So she came up to me at the memorial, and when everything was a blur and I had a line of people waiting to talk to me, Linda just came right up to me, looked me in the eyes, and said, Mary Beth, we're going to be good friends again. And I knew that that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me through her. And in those early days of uh, widowhood that were so disorienting for me, uh, I just was devastated. You just feel like half of yourself has just been gutted. And I was uh, really not functioning well at all. And Linda um, literally took me in. I, I actually stayed with her for about three months and um, got back on my feet, and she mentored me through those devastating early days and months of, of widowhood. Um, so that, uh, then we realized that together we, uh, we could actually reach out to other women, and she'd already been doing this, but uh, I knew I had to learn the process step-by-step of getting back on my feet because the Lord would want me to help other widows with that someday as well.
0: Well, Linda, we're going to hear your story in in, in just a little bit, but why did you say that to Mary Beth? What compelled you to—obviously she was your friend and you'd reconnected, but why did Why did you say what you said to her?
2: I believe it was the Holy Spirit speaking through me because I did not have a plan. When I walked up to her— I just felt like I was supposed to say that and the Holy Spirit had led me to be there at that memorial service. Um, I was actually supposed to be on vacation on an island out in the Puget Sound and I told my son I have to be at Bob's memorial and my son said and I'm coming with you because he was the best friend of Mary Beth's son David, hmm. so mm-hmm. it was
0: a god thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you know, obviously, as you just said, you know, you knew the path that uh, you had taken uh, six years earlier, and that same path that now Mary Beth was was going to be traveling, and and knew that uh, you would be able to be that support for her during this time, which is really kind of the essence of the book that uh we're talking about don't lose heart and uh, as I've been kind of looking through the chapters uh one of the uh, chapters in chapter two it is titled don't suffer alone and and the, mm-hmm. the the reality of being able to simply tell your grief story to God, and one other caring person uh really begins to help in the process of uh of of walking down that path of of pain. Uh, Mary Beth, talk to me about that—the the the need to, uh, to know that you don't need to suffer alone.
1: Oh my goodness! Well, when <laughs> we 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 often say that when when a woman loses her husband, she joins a club that nobody wants to join, and it's uh, it's a pain like like no other. There, I have worked with. You know countless clients through the years at Meyer Clinic and the therapist um, suffering with grief and loss and I actually had to go back to some of them and apologize because until I lost my husband, I had no idea of the of the grief of widowhood and the pain of it so one of the things that is so healing that widows need to do is they need to tell their story over and over and over again um because you process it at different levels and obviously there are different things that trigger your grief holidays that's a big deal and certainly the isolation of covid when you when you consider how isolating widowhood is you're going through the biggest grief of your life without your biggest comforter there aside from the holy spirit of course assuming that you had a good relationship with your spouse, you're going through the biggest hurt of your life, and they're not there to comfort you. So it forces you to reach out uh, to God and to others in a way like never before.
0: Well, it is uh, it is important. You uh, In your book, you talk about the fact that people whose spouses have just died have a whopping 66% increased chance of dying themselves within the first three mm-hmm. months of, of following their spouse's death. Why? What, 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 what are, happens emotionally and even physically uh, okay. during that moment of grief, during that period of grief, rather? Well,
1: um, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm brought back to conversation I had with my doctor because my husband, Bob, was in the hospital for three weeks and two days. And after he passed away, I had some, it's crazy, but I had some similar physical symptoms that he had for three weeks and two days. And, um, you know, I I talked with my doctor about it, who's a Christian as well. And she said, Mary Beth, when you're running from a bear, you don't stop to, you know, take care of other personal matters. You're running for your life. And so our bodies respond uh, to those uh, emotional traumas. It impacts us really, truly, body, soul, and spirit uh, when we lose our spouse.
0: Well, and you had mentioned in the book that, uh, you know, the the physical impact was uh, some depression, some anemia, you know, real physical Mm -hmm. uh, issues, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I didn't know... I didn't know uh, how anemic I was. It was I was actually anemic to a life-threatening degree. When my uh, when when the doctor's office called back, they said, "Get to the hospital now <laughs> for transfusion. But I hadn't. Well, part of the part of the problem is that I was involved in uh, caregiving my husband uh, for three months before he passed, and then three weeks intensely in the hospital, and I really wasn't. Um, even though I tried, I wasn't taking as good of care of myself as I would have normally because I was so focused on caring for him and wouldn't leave his side. So um, that's that's not unusual. There's also, you know, the depression and the anxiety is very real. And I just want to say one thing as a, as a therapist that it used to be, you know, a generation ago that doctors and psychologists, psychiatrists would not uh, prescribe antidepressants for someone going through grief, they'd say, oh, it's just grief. It's not really depression. But we know differently now. And so especially as a Christian therapist, I just want to say if you're suffering uh, depression and anxiety as a result of grief, there is no shame in taking medication that will help you through it, especially for through, you know, maybe six months to a year of the most intense uh, period. So that's very real. Another aspect is that many widows are suddenly thinking about heaven, and their half of themselves is is now missing, and they they begin longing for heaven as well. And so some people we, we really have to uh, watch out for them closely if they are if they kind of give up on life here and we want to we want to give them new hope to say, you're still here. God still has a plan for you. And, and let's look forward. We're not leaving your husband behind, but he is cheering you on uh, along with that great cloud of witnesses. And God has a plan for you to move forward. So uh, we want to be sure that, um, that we're catching widows who might have thoughts of heaven or even more active suicidal thoughts. Um, so we want to be sure that they have a safety net, you know, socially, spiritually, and even medically, if need be.
0: Well, you're listening to Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, and uh, we're speaking with Mary Beth Wall and Linda Smith, who are co-authors of the book Don't Lose Heart. And uh, you can go to thewidowsproject.org to get more information regarding the book, or it's available on Amazon.com as well. Linda, help share your story about you and your husband, Kirby. Yes,
2: thank you, Chuck. Um Like Mary Beth said, we met at Philadelphia Church in 1978. Kirby and I had been married less than two years, and we made Philadelphia Church our home, and then Kirby died in 2013, and we were at Westgate Chapel at that point, and Our church family really gathered around me. My mom and dad came out from Minnesota to help me get through those early stages. Um, The pain of becoming a widow is excruciating. And I didn't realize I was depressed. But when I was scheduled for open heart surgery a month later, I can honestly say that As they wheeled me into surgery, I didn't really care if I survived or if I didn't survive. It was all the same to me, which is a little scary looking back at it. But um, it just takes the rug out from under you, and you have to have somebody walk you through those early months of widowhood because a lot of widows, are not capable of walking themselves through those early stages. Um, And we know that this grief is something that God wants to use for his glory. So in our book, we give as many helps as we can to the new widow. Um, When Mary Beth was first widowed, And she came to live at my house. She couldn't even read the Word of God. I would read to her because it was not possible to concentrate, which is, you know, a totally new thing that I hadn't realized. But yes, my mom and dad read to me when I was a new widow. Um, And God is just very present When you're a widow but when you're a brand new widow you don't realize it because you're so um, gripped by the pain of loss that you need somebody else to point you to jesus and to the hope that there is in him so it's important to have a a system of support
0: well, I noticed uh, in your book, as you were talking about the, the death of Kirby, and then you said, uh, you know, before my heart surgery, I, I held a loose grip on life because I knew that Kirby was in heaven, and I would be thrilled to join him. But then after your heart surgery, you realized that, it, uh, you know, you were still on earth for a reason. And then you go on to say, I had to deliberately choose to connect with God and people not to retreat into my own dark prison of grief. There comes a point, though, isn't there, that you have to, no matter how you feel, there's there's a, a deliberate choosing to move on. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can choose
2: life and um, people and um, circumstances that move you forward, such as attending church. Stay there. Don't um stay home but go out meet people let them give you a hug give you a pat on the shoulder now covid has changed all that
0: mm-hmm. but
2: there are people in your circle that will hug you and you need all of that to survive those early days
0: yeah as i was reading your book you were you had given the example in john chapter 5 of the man in the pool of bethesda that that uh, when Jesus saw him, and he had been infirm for 38 years, um, the question that Jesus asked him is, do you want to be made well? And and uh, the question is, it seems obvious, you know, the man had been lame for, for that long, but he asked him, do you want to be made well? You know, that is a question, though, for some, because some like to— actually dwell in that grief and and never really come out of it, do they?
2: It's true. It's a matter of choice. Am I going to survive this? I believe that shortly after Kirby died, God told me, Linda, you've still got 30 years left. Don't waste it. Hmm. Now, I don't think Mm -hmm. that 30 is, you know, the magic number, but I think that don't waste it was the message. Mm And 30 years is a long time to sit Mm -hmm. around and do Sudoku. So, you know, he has other plans for me. Plans to reach out to other widows is what's been on my heart since about a year after Kirby died.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mary Beth, you're coming. Sure, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I just wanted to ask your thoughts on this.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I was just going to say that in those early days when, as Linda said, I wasn't able to read the Scripture for myself, I was praying constantly. I did listen to Christian radio, by the way, and podcasts and so on that would bring comfort and the Word of God. Listen to the audio Bible a lot, but there were days, I know, when Linda would take me, she put one hand on e- either of my shoulders and... And look me right in the eye and say, Mary Beth, you are God's daughter. You are going to make it. You are a woman of God. You're going to get through to the other side. And I will be honest and say that the I, I did not have that assurance in my own heart, but I would look in her eyes and just search her eyes and say, okay... Linda's a Christian. She's a woman of God. She's not going to lie to me. (laughs) And she's been through it, and she made it to the other side. And so I can believe her. Somehow I can hang on to hope that I'm going to make it too on days when I was not sure at all. So that's who I want to reach out to today. Maybe there's a woman sitting alone on her bed and thinking, what do I do now? I, I, my heart is empty, my bed is empty, my home seems so empty, the walls seem to be just uh, crashing in on me, and I'm alone. And I just want you to know you are not alone. Jesus promises he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and there are those around you who love you too. But it takes a decision, just like Chuck said, like the the man at the pool do you want to get well? If you want to get well, just reach your hand up to the Lord and say, I want to get well, and he will take you. You're going to make it, just like Linda and I have made it. and Now we're encouraging others, and you can make it too.
0: You know, uh, as we're talking here, the Scripture comes to mind from Jeremiah that, that says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And the, the thing about that is there's not an age limitation on that. In other words, you know, Jeremiah 29 doesn't expire when you turn 65, and plans and a future are only for younger folks. It's true for all of us through our entire lives, isn't it? Amen.
2: Absolutely. And the Widows Project has a scripture that we are based on from Second Corinthians 1, 3 to 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more mm-hmm. we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ.
0: Mm. That's a great scripture. Well, Mary mm-hmm. Mary Beth and Linda, we have about 4 minutes left, so I want to make sure you know how much time we have remaining. You know, we all have, we all have various timelines in our grieving, don't we? And sometimes that lasts weeks, months, sometimes years and some there are certain corners of our hearts that are still grieving.
1: Well, let, let me just address that that um with a couple of thoughts First of all, let me just say that a woman is much more likely statistically to be widowed than a man, mm-hmm. and so I kind of, when you talk about age, I kind of think of this as one of the stages of a woman's life, and we can be very much in denial that it's going to come, but the the statistics are that, it, that many of us will face this stage of life, and I do see it as a woman goes a woman goes through so many stages of her life, from the time she's a little girl through adolescence through being a wife and a mother, and then going through the later, you know, all the changes of the emptiness and so on. And this is another stage of life that that we want to prepare widows, prepare women for, that they they may face widowhood. But about grief itself, um, grief is not linear. And we can't say to someone, "Okay, hurry it up now! You got to begin," <laughs> right? Um, because there are some things that we that we may not face for the first time until years later, and then all of a sudden, boom! Oh yes, that the loss of my husband impacts me in this way right now. Hmm. But I will say that our our ministry is also based on Isaiah sixty-one, that says that the. The Spirit of the Lord, the Ministry of Jesus, as he as he quotes Isaiah sixty one and Luke four, he says it's to bind up the brokenhearted, and to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those in who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So there there is an exchange that happens, and we we use as a Kind of an illustration in our book, uh, a mosaic heart. Because when a when my when Bob died, my heart was splintered, absolutely splintered, and shattered. But God has begun to bind it all together again, like a beautiful mosaic. But it's not the mosaic isn't complete until all the pieces are in place, almost like a jigsaw puzzle. You know, so there might be. You, you, we're, we, we grieve secondary losses of uh, when we lose our spouse, and so those secondary losses need to be healed uh, piece by piece until it eventually the mosaic is eventually completed, and we become more beautiful than if we had never suffered the injury.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a great conversation. I wish we had more time, but. Obviously, we would love for our listeners to get a hold of this book, and to do so, you can go to thewidowsproject.org, thewidowsproject.org, or uh, the book Don't Lose Heart is on Amazon.com. Obviously, you can find it there as well. Mary Beth Wall and Linda Smith, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.